We are getting ready now to move to our time in God's Word. We're very blessed to have Dr. Jeff Arthurs. He's a professor of preaching at Gordon-Conwell, the Robinson Chair of Preaching and Communication, and the director of the Haddon Robinson Center for Preaching at Gordon-Conwell Seminary in the Boston area. But he's very active in preaching God's Word and uh, pastoring. He's a scholar and does writing. And he came this weekend to work with our preaching team, which is just awesome. So we've, we've sharpened our skills this weekend, which has been really cool. And he's going to teach God's Word for us this morning. Really blessed to have him. Uh, Jeff and Liz have been friends and mentors of the Vincents for a long time, almost 20 years. And we love them so much. Will you put your hands together for uh, Dr. Jeff Arthurs this morning as he comes up? Thank you. greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Wonderful to be with you. I think this is the third time Liz and I have been here, and it's starting to feel like home. We admire the work of Hope Community Church. We love Brian and Angie and Lydia and Hudson, and we've been together for, I think, probably more than 20 years now. Um, So it's just great to be with you and bring God's word. Well, let me see if I can provide an entrance into God's Word by uh, calling your attention to a quirky video. You can look it up on YouTube. It's called The Way Things Go. It's very quirky. It's very low-tech. I think it was made back in the 80s, probably like a home video camera. And a couple of uh, zany uh, German students made this film, and the whole thing is about cause and effect. So a tire might roll down a slight incline and bump and knock over a candle, and the candle might light a fuse, and the fuse might burn actually up a ladder, and it might uh, spark a rocket, and the rocket might uh, go through a hoop and fall into a bucket, and one thing after another, it goes on and on. It's very uh, quirky, uh, very ingenious. Now, I mentioned that, the way things go, because we live in a world of cause and effect. Right? Um, You plant a sapling, you get a tree, if all goes well. You strike a match, you get a flame. Uh, Your personal trainer says, uh, you are what you eat, right? Cause and effect. That's why I eat nothing but Smarties, right? And cause-effect is true not only in the physical world, but also in human character. That is to say, what is on the inside comes out. Jesus said, out of the heart, uh, the mouth speaks. The book of Proverbs says, uh, guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life. You might say cause and effect, or uh, the inside and the outside. And now, I'd like to suggest that the same thing is true of God. Now, we have to speak reverently and humbly, because 
now we start touching the realm of mystery, you know, the nature of God. But he has revealed this to us. Who he is, you might say, on the inside, his values, his character, his essence, um, is displayed in his actions. Uh, cause effect, the inside and the outside. And that principle of the inside and the outside cause effect, that actually runs underneath our passage today. Our passage is Micah, chapter 7, verses 18 to 20. I'll put it up here on the screen in just a minute. But uh, Micah, you know Micah. Uh, in the Old Testament, that's the place in your Bible where the pages stick together, you know, good old Micah. And this is the very last passage in the, in the whole book. These are the last three verses in the book. And the, the book comes to a climax in these last uh, three verses like a classical symphony. Dun, dun, da-da at the end here as Micah describes who God is his character, his heart, and what results from that, his actions. Heavenly Father, as we open your holy word, these last verses of the prophet Micah, please open our hearts, open our minds, give us ears to hear. Prepare the soil of our hearts so that your word falls on good soil and springs up and bears fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 18, who he is. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity, and passing over transgressions for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. That's who he is. That's the kind of person we speak reverently that he is. He delights in steadfast love. That's that special word. You may have heard it, that Hebrew word, hesed. It's a beautiful, rich word, steadfast love. Maybe it could be translated grace or uh, overflowing goodness and kindness. He delights in hesed. Think of a grandparent um, on the floor playing with the grandkids. With trucks and their building and the grandparent is just, just delighting. It's just joyful. Nobody has to uh, sort of coach and kind of put a guilt trip on the, the grandparent, like, you, you should be doing this, and, and oh, yes, okay, it's a, it's a duty. It's delightful. Uh, think of, uh, do you remember the movie, maybe, I don't know, 15 or more years ago, The Apostle with Robert Duvall? He's a southern preacher, and he goes to a small town in the south, and he starts a radio ministry, and he starts a church. And one of the things he does is he, he, uh, he, he cares for the poor people of the community. And he and a, a friend, kind of a disciple of his, get groceries. Do you remember this scene? 
they get groceries and they, they take them up onto the porch or outside the apartment and they leave the groceries and then they knock on the door and then they run away. They run away and they hide in the bushes and the person comes out and it's like, food. And they're just, and Robert Duvall's over in the bushes, he and his friend, and they're just like, this is so good, this is good. They're laughing. They're they delighted in kindness. And that's the kind of God, <laughs> pardon my uh, language, the kind of person God is. He delights in steadfast love. This is what he reveals about himself here, the climax of the book. But, uh, you know, it continues, for example, with Jesus in the New Testament. Remember the parable of the um, the shepherd and the lost sheep. The shepherd had a hundred sheep, 90 and nine were safe. They were, they were fine, but one knucklehead sheep was out wandering, got lost out in the, on the highways and byways. And the shepherd goes and looks for it and he finds the sheep and he, what's he do? He puts it on his shoulders. You and I kind of run over these things because we don't live in that culture anymore, but sheep were not clean animals they got and they're kind of heavy and he puts it on his shoulders and he takes it back home and he says to the neighbors rejoice with me look 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 what i did this crazy sheep was out there i found it i rescued it he delights in extending mercy aren't you glad aren't you glad think of the sin that troubles you most. He does not hold grudges. He does not, he's not looking for ways to afflict. Bring your sin to him, knowing that he delights in steadfast love. Confess to him. Now, this truth about God, he, he delights in mercy, it doesn't mean he's soft on sin or he winks at our, our nastiness. It just means his disposition, the inside, he's ready to forgive. There's an old uh, American hymn, old American tune uh, that says, Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick, and sore. Jesus, ready, stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. Come, come, bring your sin to him, because he delights in mercy. What else does it say there in verse 18? He does not retain his anger forever. You know, some people hold grudges. They get something deep inside and they just kind of chew on that and they suck that lemon for years. God does not retain his anger forever. Now, in the book of Micah, remember, these are the last three verses. Uh, most of the book is actually about judgment because the people of Israel were just, they were worshiping idols and their leaders were uh, uh, leading them astray. Their leaders were uh, abusing alcohol 
and uh, their prophets, those who should have been, you know, telling the truth, the prophets were just tickling ears and telling people what they wanted to hear. And God says, okay, 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 I mean, that's the way you're going. Well, I'm going to allow these nations around about you to come and discipline. But here at the end of the book, he doesn't retain his anger forever. This is the kind of person he is. As a matter of fact, even his discipline flows out of this heart of love and uh, his character, the kind of person that he is. So verse 18, the cause, the the inside, uh, the kind of person he is, all right. What then does it lead to? What's the effect? What are the actions that flow out of this character? Well, 19 and 20 tell us. Do you see four actions? They all begin with will. He will again do such and he will again. Look at, look at 19 there. Uh, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. So here are the actions that flow out of this uh, this heart. Number one, you will again have compassion. Verse 19. As I say, this whole book has been about coming judgment. But here at the end, he says, you will again have compassion. Micah encourages the people, and we hear the words, and we receive the encouragement. Verse 19 also says, you will tread our iniquities underfoot. Uh, We get the idea of that. It means uh, you'll kind of stomp on our iniquities. You'll exert authority over them. And in the Old Testament, the, the, the foot is a symbol of authority. For example, do you remember that uh, God told Abraham uh, to go into the promised land and everywhere the sole of your foot touches, uh, that will be your land. You will, you will own that. You will claim that land. You may remember in uh, Psalm 110, uh, the Bible says, the psalmist says, um, Uh, I, God, speaking to his Messiah, I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet, meaning you'll have authority over your enemies. Okay, God will stomp, wipe out, obliterate, extend his authority over our, uh, our iniquities. Micah says to the people, God through Micah says to the people, idolatry, injustice, drunkenness, stomp. He says, uh, 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 lust in the power of Jesus' name, stomp. He says, boasting and pride uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, stomp. I will exert my authority over your iniquities. And where did he do that? Well, various places, but he did it uh, climactically 
at the cross. We have sung about the cross today, right? It was at the cross that Jesus broke the power of Satan, the power of death, the power of sin. <clears throat> what does that old hymn uh, say? Uh, rock of ages, rock of ages, cleft for me. One of the lines says, be for sin the double cure. Save me from its guilt and power. Stomp at the cross and in the resurrection and in the empty tomb. you got to come back to church next week. This is uh, Friday also. Friday at the cross and then the resurrection. God broke the power of sin. And this, uh, this, this verse from uh, Micah, you know, it, it was sort of foreshadowing and talking about uh, this climactic event, stomp, breaking the power of sin. Jump down then to verse 20. You will show faithfulness to Jacob. You, uh, and steadfast love to Abraham. What, what does this mean? Uh, as you have sworn to our fathers uh, from the days of old. Well, the word there, you will show faithfulness. The word there is another great uh, Hebrew word. It's the word emet. Is anyone in here named emet? You have a great name. It means faithful. The idea is reliable. You can count on him. What he says he will do. You have shown your consistency, your reliability. What you say, you do. Your faithfulness. You, you have... Uh, that's the kind of person you are, and these are the kinds of actions that flow out of that character. God is not like a weak tooth. Do you ever have a weak tooth? You young people don't know about this yet, but uh, fillings wear out. Uh, after 20 or 30 years of chewing, they, they, they wear out and, or, or might get decay underneath it. You get kind of this weak tooth. You can just kind of feel it's not right when you chew on it. It's just not right. Maybe you have a microscopic hairline, you know, fracture in the tooth. And you know, it's just not, it's not reliable. And then one day you're eating a crusty roll. <laughs> yeah, boom. <laughs> Emergency dental work. God's not unreliable. He does, you know, what he said he would do. Uh, he is not like a weak step. Liz and I lived a number of years ago on a, in a little house and had a very little porch, probably no bigger than this communion table. And when you came out of the back door, you walked on that porch and you took a step down to the yard, maybe two steps. It was probably only about that high. Every time I stepped on that second step, it felt like it was going to break. I'd step, and it would go underneath my weight, and I thought, I'm going to step on this sometime, and it's going to break, and I'm going to twist my ankle, and something bad's going to happen. And I tried to remember to skip that step, but sometimes I wouldn't remember. Well, guess what? It broke. <laughs> and I wasn't even on it. It broke when Liz stepped on it. She weighs about, you know, 40% of what I do. It wasn't reliable, God says. He will show his reliability. Reliability to what? To what word? What's it say? His faithfulness to Jacob. 
Jacob was like the father of the 12, you know, 12 sons, 12 tribes, Gad and Reuben and Joseph and all those guys. And God made a promise to Jacob. It was a long time before Micah. He, you will be reliable to your word to Abraham. That's like way before uh, 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 Jacob. What, what's this talking about? It's talking about the covenant. The covenant. God said to Abraham way back, I have chosen you. I will make from you a great nation. You're not even able to have kids, you and your wife, but I'm going to make a great nation from you. And through you, through your, your offspring, and through you, all of the people of the earth will be blessed. That's kind of a prophecy also, isn't it? Because through Abraham and down through the ages, Jesus came and all of the people of the earth will be blessed. And he says, I promise to do this. I make a covenant with you. I, I obligate myself um, to do this for you. Now, if you break your part of the covenant, there will be consequences, but I'm not going back on my word. You, you might go back on your word. I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm Emmett. I'm very reliable. And that's what verse 20 is saying. You will show your reliability to Jacob, to Abraham, just as you swore you know, way back to our fathers from the days of old. Then one more. Let's back up to verse 19. One more uh, will uh, phrase. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. In Orthodox Judaism, these three verses are read every year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. They're read at the afternoon service. It's called the Tashlik service. It means casting off. It comes from this passage. And here's the ceremony. The, uh, the Orthodox Jew will go to uh, a river, a stream, some moving water, maybe the ocean, some moving water, and they will empty their pockets into the water. Previously, they've put breadcrumbs in their pockets to represent their sins. And as these verses are read, they, they uh, empty their pockets and they... Their sins, the breadcrumbs, swept away. That's good. I like that. But with respect, can I suggest that Micah's message is actually even better than that? Because it does not say we empty our pocket, we, we, we cast our sins. It, it, it says you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And he did this at the cross. He took the initiative to take our sins, all the bad stuff we've done, all the thoughts, all the words, all the attitudes of our hearts, he took all that stuff and he cast it onto Jesus. The Bible says he became sin 
for us. Another way to think about that is you might say he absorbed our sins. God cast our sins onto himself there at the cross, and our sins now are buried in the depths of the sea. The great uh, preacher of London in the 1800s, uh, Charles Spurgeon, said it this way. He said, with one great draft, like, like a drink, like one big drink, with one great draft, he drained damnation dry. This is the God that we believe in. This is the kind of person he is. He delights in this. And his actions are congruent with his character. You will again have compassion. You will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will show reliability to your promise, the covenant. You will cast our sins into the ocean of your love. They're gone. They're gone. The price has been paid. Do you know him? Do you love him? We thank God that he came to us in Jesus Christ, grafted us into his covenant. And so now this word from Micah is a word to us. He delights in grace. That's who he is. And this is what he's done for us. Somebody say amen. And Heavenly Father, thank you for being faithful and reliable and delighting in mercy. Thank you. And then we are the recipients of that beautiful heart. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.